I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2017 Strip-Till Farmer podcast series. Today's program, part two of measuring precision payback in a strip-till system, is being brought to you by Novatel. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, make sure and let us know. We'll make every effort to get it added here as well. And by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released and the opportunity to go back and check out earlier episodes in this series. Thanks again to Novatel for their support of today's program. Novatel's GNSS receivers and antennas are found in the data collection, control, guidance, and steering systems of the world's top precision egg companies and vehicle manufacturers' products. Their TerraStar Correction Services provide submeter or decimeter accurate positioning around the world anytime. As the global leader in OEM precision positioning technology, Novatel customers rely on them to provide reliable, quality solutions that optimize growers' productivity and efficiency that save time and lower input costs. Visit www.novatel.com or call them today at 1-800-668-2835. Well, precision farming tools are part of many strip tiller systems, and while technology often improves efficiency and productivity, it can also pose adoption challenges. During the fourth annual National Strip Tillage Conference in Omaha, we assembled a diverse group of farmers for a structured, yet at times, spontaneous dinner conversation. With a focus on strategies, objectives, and outcomes of utilizing precision farming systems, the discussion also touched on influential factors when making precision purchases and the significance of having a reliable support network. At the table were Carrie and Angela Knuth from Mead, Nebraska, Jeff Reins from Shell Rock, Iowa, and Tim Leisner from Parkston, South Dakota. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast, we share part two of selected excerpts from our roundtable strip-till conversation, starting with some insight on influential factors in making precision farming purchases. So it sounds very much for, for you guys, it was uh, more of a relationship-based decision-making making versus kind of product-oriented or, you know, anything that maybe would have been, you know, kind of a specific to a brand. And, and I right. mean, that's something that does seem to happen more in the precision side where you're much more loyal to the service and support than any particular, you know, brand that you're seeing. It sounds that it's been the case certainly for you guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the... the Technology has to have certain features we're looking for, but yeah, definitely service. Well, you, you guys have mentioned too, I mean, a couple of the shortcomings that you guys have seen with some of the products you've used on the precision side. Where do you see, you know, kind of the greatest need in your operation for improvement on that precision area or as an industry as a whole? I mean, where, where are things kind of falling short that you see kind of the need to either close that gap or take what you're doing to the next level. Uh, you guys have talked about kind of some of the innovative nature of some of the things you're doing as well, but um, you know, where do you see the industry needing to kind of step up? 
um, whether it's the manufacturers or some of the, the service providers out there. Probably one of the things was was communication between more of them, so so it makes it easier, make Angela's job yeah, easier. Yeah, the communication <laughs> so that we don't have to take a USB out because I forgot to add something, and you know, so we have to upload it, and it's usually the field that's furthest away. <laughs> and then and then just the sharing of data between. The different, the different colors, the different monitors, and, and, and in the background, the software packages, which we know it's coming, but it's like, it's needs, it needs to happen. And from, a, from in a field standpoint, or more of the basic stuff, what I really want is the, the day that I can control where the piece of equipment goes in the field before it even goes there where my sprayer guy don't have to make up his mind where which direction he wants to go because he always seems to go a different yeah he goes so goes a different way than he done before and i and i watch him on farm mobile i'm going i'm just screaming sometimes going why are you doing that that is not the most efficient way that is yeah the most efficient way to farm a field yeah that's that's what you need and we've been working i can't say too much but um been working with a little bit of you know grain cart capacity with combine and where the grain cart has been and it's all going to come down to you know so eventually we'll be able to like even the combine I run the combine all the time and if I have to stop and dump I'm not happy so I'm trying to find my best way I'm always thinking where do I go Angel's grain I don't yell at her Angel, Angel's grain cart driving that's best <laughs> but but we make a good team. The volume's turned off. Turned off. <laughs> <laughs> but we make a, a good lot team. Of sign language. <laughs> oh. But but that's efficient, and, and one of the reasons I run the combine all the time is like efficiency. I mean, like when I plant a field, I know the way I planted it last time. I plant it the same way every time. But that sprayer operator, he's in the field three times now. We're doing three operations, and he's always going somewhere different. And I'm like, what are you doing? Or, or running out of spray on the wrong end, mm-hmm. and then running empty. I'm like, you have to know what's going on here and when I can control that or we can pre-plan that ahead in the winter beautiful so you think of the farm mobile and these other providers it would be in their best interest to maybe have sit downs like this and get your perspective is it sometimes it seems like they're just totally in left field with it yeah I mean we work with farm mobile for two years now I mean you talk quite a bit with Heath and yeah I mean I think they're I, I like that they're what they're they're doing mm-hmm. um and it's mostly machine data right now, um, so it would be nice if they can couple the input data with it, so we're not having to go to different, you know, so I don't have to go into uh, the display that doesn't have it because we're just, you know, s- spreading water. <laughs> so, yeah, we like what they're doing, and we're, um, they're working with uh, another company, a software company, Cropzilla, and they're trying to migrate that data, which is going to be really awesome from us for us because we're putting in real expense numbers for for these pieces of equipment and if they can you know if they can take that seamlessly in there that's going to be pretty powerful for him as far as decision making because it's going to be the closest that we can come to tracking true costs <coughs> with equipment versus we have fbs software which is managerial accounting since 2008 tried to get it done in there in the field operation but we could never get there with cropzilla now at least we had, we keep track on the FBS side of, you know, cost per machine, like repairs, lease costs, insurance, everything goes towards that piece of equipment, any piece of equipment we have. So that was great when CropZilla come along, then all that 
cost could go right in there and they were like yeah we can give have your true cost just like that where we could never get an fbs but this this is going to be sweet on a per field basis yeah crabzilla uh, they're working i mean they're actually going to tell us they can work with you to tell you if you're over have too much horsepower or you know for the size of field you have or if it's too big for another piece of equipment i don't know how the how i don't remember how all that works but so moving that yeah moving that real-time data what well, doesn't have to be real-time but moving that real data that's actual real numbers not just what you're estimating into Crabzilla. that could be one of the big steps of these companies putting their advantages together maybe mm -hmm. not like a formal merger but say hey i can provide this you can yes. provide this let's work together that's yeah. a pretty good example yeah. yeah but it all boils down to the money yeah they're in line with their own yeah but if you can if you get a, a more microscopic view of what you're doing, then then you know where the money's. No, I mean from their side, they're trying to get as much oh, money yeah, as yeah. they're not going to let that up unless they get beat up real bad. Or yeah, I mean we request uh, they those two companies <coughs> decided to work together now with Cropzilla on the backside of that. There's AgSolver mm -hmm. software. Now they visually tell you what area of the field you're losing or making money in. So if you could take that from Crabzilla and drop that in there so you could map out for each field, you know, there's another synergy right there that, again, not one, not one provider can, can um, provide that to you. They're actually showing parts of the field that maybe you shouldn't even farm. Yeah, Ag Leader has that through the estimates advanced. Um, there's profit loss mapping. You can put in your equipment and it'll go search the web and tell you what, the, like it'll know the fuel per hour consumption of that machine. You can put in your input cost and everything else, and you can even run multi-year average. And, and I know people firsthand that have run that multi-year average and gone and put these 12 acres into CRP because they found that over the last five years, they averaged losing $12 an acre. And that was even over some of the good the good marketing years. Yeah. Uh, and, a, and they knew it. They knew it, but they never <coughs> calculated it down to that specific spot. And, uh, sometimes I know I know a guy that used to actually work at Ag Leader made a portion of his field an alfalfa field and rented that out to a cattle farmer up the road. And then people would ask him, like, why is there an alfalfa field in the middle of your other field? So I was tired <laughs> of losing money there. <laughs> what do you think the, uh, the, the your Titan dealers, your Van Walls, or the other ones that you're working on are going to think when the, uh, you guys have better access to truer costs per machinery? Per field, they're not going to like it, are they? No. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not but the, we, we beat them to the punch, maybe then, because they're they're trying to, you know, with like uh, the what do they call it? The diagnostics, you know, they can get in, mm -hmm. and then they're going to be tracking. You know, if you let them, they'll track every hour and know everything about your machine. It's like, well, I don't know if we want <laughs> them to know that. I don't know if you do. Without being, again, we go back to without being paid for. There's nothing wrong with sharing data because then you learn more, but, but if it's going to come back and bite you in the butt, you might as well get paid for getting bitten. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so. so in your scenario where you're driving the truck, are you guys, is your farm using any, anything um, as far as fleet management so they can know, you know, the guys in the, in the cab can, in the combine can know whether you're sitting in line at the elevator or whether you're you know a mile away or whether you're no. eight miles away no is anything like that something that you could see you the farm 
adapting to or you know I don't <clears throat> I don't think so we use grain baggers when we're a long ways out and we have four trucks we rent another one at least one and when the truck shows up the truck shows up and if he's not there you use the bagger uh, hmm. we do talk on the radios you know we do that stuff if we get hung up or something but uh, can only go so fast I mean mm -hmm. knowing it not knowing it really isn't going to make a difference I mean it does to a degree but <clears throat> I, at this point I don't think so can I pipe in on that yeah <laughs> Uh, we've been using it four years. Now we use Farm Mobile for two years, but we were with a different fleet tracking before that. But so five years ago, I have two semis and we're out there harvesting soybeans and we're hauling 45 miles away. And I, you know, you can't over, always get hold of your drivers and never know what the line's like and they never tell you when they're coming back. And so, you know, I, I, I'm cutting parts of the field that I can mess around on because I think they're going to, it's going to take them, you know, two hours before they get back. Mm -hmm. Get back a half hour earlier, like there was no line. I'm like, I didn't have a load for him. So hurry up, get him loaded. And then I'm like, well, he's going to be back fast. So I'm like cutting in the good part of the field. And then he doesn't show up. Yeah, then he didn't show up. And I'm like, where are you at? And he goes, all of a sudden it got just bogged down in here. I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm just sitting. And I go, after that, I'm like, I'm having fleet tracking. I'm going to watch where they're at. And I told him right up front, it's nothing against you. You know, I'm not trying to see if you go off a beaten path or stop and get a pop or something. I need to know where you're at. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, and that, and so, and then the one we had for two years, it, it wasn't even that accurate. It could show you, it could pinpoint you that you were maybe at the elevator, but I couldn't <coughs> see where they were at in there. Now with Farm Mobile, I can see exact movement. I mean, whether on their scale or in the pit or, I mean, every exact movement and it's awesome. Hmm. Did you get any sort of feedback or uh, kickback or anything through your insurance company for like accident recreation if should a, should a truck be caught in I never thought of that it's something I know that you should ask your insurance agent about it because depending on what system you are that have they can have benefits like mm. a lower rate and stuff for that because if they were in an accident they can take that GPS data off the truck and do accident recreation Wow! they can know whether you're doing you know 55 to the school zone um, Wait, with our drivers, probably don't want to let them know. <laughs> well, <laughs> just kidding. Well, uh, that's what it came in. Uh, our son was with a wedding, was hauling small squares in Omaha, and um, there was construction, and he swears that she wasn't there, and it was coming down to one lane, basically, and there was a little little car that um, he hit, but uh, she she wasn't in the rear, she wasn't in the side mirror uh, a second ago or something like that anyway. So that would have been interesting to do. Hmm. You know, was he speeding or was he trying to speed up or anything like that? Yeah, so. no, it's, it's worth. A, I think it's probably worth a call for you. I mean, if they say, oh yeah, we have this yeah. X dollar a month reduction for that, it adds up. Jeff, have you guys gotten into any of that? I know that's been uh... not into the fleet management or <coughs> anything like that two-way radios and cell phones mm -hmm. and we're kind of pretty That's we everybody are. knows okay knows I'm planning on that guy getting back or and stuff and if there's a delay they'll call and stuff mm -hmm. and so we talked about RTX with you two are you do you know if, if your farm is using RTK or RTX RTX as well. Think, yeah. Before RTX came out, were you using an Omnistar, or was what did you go straight from John Deere to RTX? Yeah, 
You didn't. Straight. How about you? Did you go straight from Wasp products and then your first experience of a higher precision was RTX? No, we had whatever was right below RTX. Omnistar? I believe so. Okay. Have you ever had RTK? No. Okay. We've never, and that's basically where you got to have your own base station, right? Or, or, or earlier cellular networks now, yeah. Yeah. Any recollection? On I think we're gross. Was. I think we're was. Has anybody in here heard of Novatel? That's on my shirt. <laughs> no, we have. <laughs> no. No? Okay. Yeah, that is. I'm not surprised to hear that. So. Um, you have a Novatel receiver on your... If Pete sold it to you, you have a Novatel receiver on your cab. Okay. It says Ag Leader on it, though. Okay. It's probably an Ag Leader 6500. That would be manufactured by Novatel. Has anybody heard of Terrastar? Yeah, I think we have. I've heard of that. I don't know anything about it, but we're making progress. <laughs> <laughs> that is a correction service by Novatel. That's why I'm asking the GPS type questions. And what your experience with satellites are and how frustrating they can be and any type of... That's kind of also why I was trying to ask some of the, the brand shaping questions of like what was making you make these decisions. Was it, was it cost? Is it the support? Which from my history in the industry, I was fully expecting you to all say support and you did. So I haven't forgotten everything in the last few years. It's good to know. We'll get back to the conversation shortly, but I want to again recognize Novatel for supporting this podcast. Novatel's GNSS receivers and antennas are found in the data collection, control, guidance, and steering systems of the world's top precision egg companies and vehicle manufacturers' products. Their TerraStar correction services provide sub-meter or decimeter accurate positioning around the world anytime. As the global leader in OEM precision positioning technology, Novatel customers rely on them to provide reliable, quality solutions that optimize growers' productivity and efficiency that save time and lower input costs. Visit www.novatel.com or call them today at 1-800-668-2835. Reflecting on the discussion so far, it was interesting to hear about the collaborative approach the group is seeking when it comes to collecting and applying mobile farm data. Fleet management tools were noted as especially valuable in tracking true machinery costs, such as fuel usage, vehicle performance, and working hours. Having this data organized and accessible in real time can increase farm management efficiency. Let's jump back into the program now and hear more of this roundtable discussion on what the group expects to be the next game-changing technology innovation in agriculture. We've obviously talked a lot about kind of what you guys have kind of... uh, some of the origins of what technology you guys have utilized on your farm, but um, kind of looking, you know, a little bit further down the line, um, I mean, you know, there's been some references here to some of the more maybe futuristic technologies that are going to be out there. You guys have kind of played around with, you know, drones a little bit. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about implement guidance, which obviously is here, but, you know, what do you guys see maybe 
um, is kind of maybe the next game-changing thing that you would like for your operation? You know, what's gonna, you know, if you could kind of just say, hey, if, if I could have this piece of technology or this system to implement on my operation, whether it's strip-till or no-till, you know, what, what are you guys looking for um, that's really gonna kind of it, it may not have to seem realistic as yeah, of today. Yeah. Right. It I won't mean, be in my lifetime, but the autonomous planter, I mean, there's some major issues with these. And we're running 24 row, you got what, 36. 48. The weight of that mass. Yeah. If you can go down to autonomous eight row machines yep. behind a 90 horse tractor that has hardly any footprint, just on Twitter, they had something up in Canada, some. The yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. That autonomous cedar that looked small. I mean, but yet that thing can run 24 hours a day. There's no workman's comp. There's no all the other headaches that go with. <laughs> I think you will see it. It'll be sooner than you think. It probably will be. How far off? <clears throat> you think? Uh, Jack Aldridge, a futuristic, said maybe five years. Not, I mean, five years. Huh? But not not, not proliferated. Not, yeah, just sensor data or sensors. Hmm. Um, that in uh, having daily imagery to be able to afford that. But the sensors would those two things would really help direct your daily um, activities during the season, and then the ability of an autonomous little drone going out and and uh, checking because there's a problem here. Is it an insect problem? Is it a fungicide problem? What's, what's happening? What's happening at that? It can go out and do that for you. That is gonna be awesome. Cause, I mean, it, it just directs you better. Make your um, daily chores or da daily direction more pointed. Mm -hmm. So, and those are coming. I mean, mm -hmm. a, lot of sensor, a lot of sensors are gonna be out in the field. But they're not cheap enough, <clears throat> so you can't you can't put enough of them out there. It's all about the money. <laughs> but you're you're probably right. I mean, I think as you see those start to mature a little bit more, I think you will probably see you know some of those opportunities be more available, and you know as far as more mass integration on your operation, which yeah, like and you said, yeah. So like right now we use the moisture sensors, but you can only afford one out in the field, and that's. You know, yes, you can EC or you know map your your soils, but it still doesn't tell you what's going on day to day. And there are sensors out there you can read about them that you know they're smaller, they're cheaper. Um, the hard part would probably be getting them, um, you know, put out there because that, that takes time as well. But it's not only just you know so so it's not just sensors in the field, but yeah, the daily imagery would be pretty neat to see. And then tie it so it can compare to the day before, you know, three days before, and then send you alerts. Here's your hotspots, mm -hmm. and then automatically go out and figure out, bring you back a sample of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then and that goes into get that'll be into the inputs pretty soon because if we can find out <coughs> nitrogen, yeah, you know, needs throughout the field, then can that can be a you know put create, onto something create a prescription create, map create a prescription right for you that yeah. and then go out and apply it. Well, we're probably, you guys don't have any irrigation either place, so I, you do. I have two pivots. Okay, or I, mean, I we, have one. We, my son has one. We relied on a lot, so I mean, we're mm -hmm. we need that soil moisture data, and we apply fertilizer through the center pivot and everything like that. So mm -hmm. there was a company, I can't think of who it was, or it was a university. I'll 
might have even been Nebraska a few years ago. I think they were at InfoAg, and uh, they're talking about like sensor dust. So there's like these microchips that you just basically throw out in the field, yeah. and then they put a sensor on the pivot. So every time the pivot went around, it read, got a reading from the sensor. The sensor just laid in the soil and could tell you moisture content, like a history of the moisture content. Over it, it was super small, had very little memory, but I could tell you like what the moisture content was for like the past three days. And I think it even had, I don't think it could do nitrogen, but it did have like some other micronutrient type feedback out of it. Um, they were trying to work with, you know, get more money for it and drive it further. So. I know Cornell has little sensors like Maybe the size of a post stamp. They're supposedly you can put it in the plant, you can put it on the in the ground, and it's moisture sensor. But I think they were also maybe trying to do the nutrient levels. It might have been them, and it was doing it. Yeah. You were in contact with them, but I don't. You haven't heard from them lately. No, but then there's also um, they, it's called the Mark now, but that one's it sits on a pivot, but uh, there's nothing on it on the ground and it reads um it senses your nutrient levels on that uh, that's in test mode but i haven't seen any data how it actually works i don't know if you've heard of it um it's by arable i know of them yeah yeah it's called the mark it was called something mm -hmm. before that but that one you know that that again is you you'd only have one in the field and so it's and it's pretty big so mm -hmm. But the sensor does, we'll have to look that up. Um, I don't know the exact name of it, but I was thinking that that's what they were calling it at. It might have been InfoAg or uh, one, of these, one of these conferences. Yeah, it has yeah. a lot of that stuff out there, yeah. Right, yeah. You're just planting. What, what futuristic, crazy stuff can you, can you dream up? You've <laughs> Farming or non-farming? <laughs> <laughs> Well, sometimes the best ideas for farming come from other places. That's true. That's true. I guess I really wonder. Now I'm speaking from old school, and I'm a little older, but how fast do we have to keep going? I mean, it seems like every year we have to do twice as much, twice as fast, just to stay even. And where's the breaking point? I know technology will do a lot of it, but on the human side, I mean, where is the breaking point? Technology-wise, I there's a lot of wild things I could say, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and on that same line, at what point are you just in an information overload? Mm -hmm. I mean, and yeah, have we studied every yield map, layered them in for all the years we've been collecting them? There's megabytes of data sitting in our computers that probably could be analyzed and every two or three years when we trade combines it's a different software and this isn't now compatible I can't pull this in so I can't you know build all that and, and at some point there's just the good old seat of the pants you know how to farm and I know we were talking about on I'm a climate dealer technically I'm a Monsanto decalb Astro dealer too, so we added the climate. And some of all these sensors, it's still a hell of a lot more fun to grab a six pack and the wife and I go check <laughs> corn at night. <laughs> you know? 
stop at the neighbors, see what's going on, and you can't do that with an iPad and a sensor. You know? Good point. <laughs> I think you can also get to the point where you the technology gets so good that you become dependent on it. Oh yeah. And then you forget some of the basic things. I mean, good mm -hmm. what I for my generation, I half the people I know I feel like don't know how to talk on the phone or have a oh, yeah. decent conversation. Because they have an app that can text out their thoughts for them and they can't even do things in the real time because they've just become glued to these devices. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I could see that to a certain extent. You know, be careful what you wish for. Mm -hmm. Or at least have this, the, the conscious of mind to learn it and then also have these supplemental yeah. technologies. But you know, if you go mm -hmm. too far, you could get too dependent on it. And then what happens when it breaks down? Yeah. Better hope the service guy's there. <laughs> oh, I mean, this world is just going to shut down. They don't have to attack anything but our internet service. I mean, I'm sure you can too. I can bring up right now. I can increase the, the pivot speed, slow it down, turn it on, turn it off, reverse it, whatever. Uh, you probably got 20 pivots in your... 16, yeah. 16, <laughs> so yeah, it's close. <laughs> and you made time to get here? How the heck do you do that then? <laughs> You know, it's it's just it's it's hard because I agree with you. When's when's it's enough enough? But it you either hang with it or it passes yeah. you by. Unfortunately, yeah. um, but like you said, you know, you got to be able to step back and take a look at it. Mm -hmm. But um, but we're not gonna let it pass us by. It's like hell no. Yeah. <laughs> Like I remember when uh, independent row clutches came out, mm -hmm. and the people that would come up to a trade show booth and like, just oh that we don't need that. And now, how many people do you talk? That would that be are, one one of the top five that I would not give up at all. I'd give up a whole bunch of other stuff before I'd give up row clutches. That, don't you think that was probably the the one technology that you got your money back on right away? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But then it had so many other benefits that you don't even, that weren't, like the seed savings are just black and white. Oh, yeah. But then there's all these other things that start coming up, the you know, less lodged corn and yeah. Yeah. turning and finding your guest rows when you're trying to harvest and like all those little things that started to come with it that you don't really even put a value on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned that you were yellow, uh, had some yellow equipment. Uh, so Agco actually sells a Novotel branded receiver. Now when you buy an Ag like a new Challenger, it can be either a Terrastar or Terrastar. It can be a uh, Trimble receiver or a Novotel receiver. Agco lets the grower pick. Um, so, I mean, you already have the relationship with Trimble on the farm and such, but now, um, I guess it's kind of, if you go in, say you're gonna go buy a new Challenger 1000, I think that's the new model. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna go and buy a Challenger 1000 and you saw Trimble, you can order the Trimble route or you can order with the Novotel route. What type of questions or what type of um, things would be rolling through your mind on wait a minute order to I'm, I'm Since you already have Trimble on the farm now, I'm guessing you're saying, well, if this will match what I have, I'm gonna go that route. Yeah. But had you still been a John Deere dealer today, or John dealer, uh, still had your John Deere equipment and you came into Agco today and you saw Trimble or Novotel, what would be kind of your, when you look at the salesperson and like what would be some of your questions on like what are the difference between these two or would you yeah. say like, well I've heard of Trimble from my case friends, 
Right, we'd know Trimble, we wouldn't know Novotel, but I mean, I would, I would be one to ask. I would ask what the feature of each was before I, before I made a decision. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just make a decision on that. I'd want, you know, I'd trust him to tell me what the difference is between the two. Is one going to be better? Is it going to be better on side hills? Is it going to, is it works differently? Is it, you know, I mean, that's where a lot of it would be, probably the accuracy. And yeah, I so on a comparison chart, if the check boxes are the same, what's the deciding factor? The comfort comfort level of the brand from the dealer, or cost? Uh, it all depends on what that difference is. I mean, you know, uh, you'd go cost and service and weigh the. Yeah. How much do they really know? Mm -hmm. I mean, if something happens with that, and what happens if something does happen? What's your you know policy on, mm -hmm. or what kind of um, warranties warranty, and yeah. replacements? And but I mean, that's normally what you talk about is yeah. the price, and then what kind of service? Okay. So a little bit more about Novatel since I've been sitting here the whole time, and you <laughs> you asked earlier. So Novatel, we are uh, we build the GPS aspect in the background. And we sell it to integrators. So Ag Leader, Raven, T-Jet, Stara, which are South American, Mueller, which is European. Uh, those companies are all running Novotel GPS on the inside. Um, GPS, using WAS, all airliners, everybody using WAS is reliant on Novotel ground-based stations. So what corrects the signal to make it where it is, those are all Novotel. GLONASS from the Russian satellites. Most of those are all Novotel ground-based stations. Um, Boeing, Lockheed, um, Bosch, uh, Google, all those type of companies, <laughs> a majority of them are using Novotel in the background. Fighter pilots landing on a moving aircraft carrier are running Novotel systems. They're running, we're running uh, high-end IMUs on the ship, IMUs on the aircraft. If the ship banks, the aircraft will bank with it, so it'll land perfectly. Um, refueling in the air, same thing. If the tanker plane hits turbulence, the jet will mimic it, so that way they can maintain. Um, so we are, ex in the, we've always been behind the scenes, and then with, like for instance, our Agco relationship, they've left our brand name actually on the receiver. And then also with that, we have the TerraStar uh, correction satellite, so it's just like Omnistar, RTX, but it's TerraStar. It works with our products, um, and that was essentially originally created for offshore oil rigs. So offshore oil rigs are floating over the pipe and have underwater thrusters to keep themselves centered, and same with all the support ships around it. So then we have to worry about safety of life and redundancy, tectonic plate shifts, all those particular uh, obstacles, and if the system would fail, you could have a deep water horizon type incident. So um, we've got you know, triple redundancy systems, stations in different parts of the world, um, connected on fiber networks multiple ways to, so if a fiber breaks, data can be retransferred. So anyway, we're using all that technology, um, but bringing it more to the farming world. And we've been doing that, but now our name is actually starting to be shown a little bit more. Um, so some of this is to get a better understanding of what drives your um, decision making. Um, and, and so like I came from Ag Leader, I worked at Ag Leader for 12 years. 
and I did, uh, like I said, at one time I was the applications guy, and then I was the GPS guy, and then I was the North American sales manager for a few years, um, and then now I'm in this particular role. So I expected a lot of the, the answers that you guys kind of gave today, but um, now that we're coming from a, a little bit different of an angle and trying to figure out what's the best way for Novotel to create our name, since it is now end user shown. You know, if you go to the survey industry, um, you know, in, in, in engineering and integrators, Novotel is very well known. Uh, we're into the truthing systems and such, mm -hmm. but down to the end user, we're fairly well unheard of. Um, so that's what we're we're in, trying to figure out. I think you got to mention some of that. What you're yeah, doing. Where's it there? I mean, <laughs> that's a you know, we've got a pretty good resume. Have you ever heard of Leica? Has anybody heard of Leica? That was gonna be a home run. Uh, <laughs> Leica uses our center. Uh, so case construction equipment uses Leica, um, and then lots of survey industry uses Leica, and they would uh, utilize our we call it GNSS engines. So then we can tie. It's like when we get to autonomous, um, we can take autonomous systems. Where we have GPS tied to an inertial system, and they're double checking each other. So. If, the GPS system goes out, it can fall back to the inertial system. And then when the GPS comes back, it can look at the inertial system and correct any errors that the inertials had. But we can also tie them together and prevent, uh, so basically for authentication. So if somebody tries to spoof the GPS signal, um, you can see a position shift. But the inertial unit in the tractor would say, I didn't move to the right five inches. And then I can, you know, Run through its calculations to make sure, okay, am I being faked out or was it just a bad reading um, or is my sensor off? And if it can't figure it out within a couple seconds, it would pop you an alarm to say, hey, something's going on. Is it a spoofing incident or something else, the issue? So that's kind of what some of this autonomous world stuff um, is going on. And there's multiple checks in the system and redundancy that we don't really have so much of that in farming because of the price points. That a lot of the farming stuff is just one sensor, no double check to try to keep the price point down compared to the commercial world where one, you know, they only make 10,000 tractors a year in the world compared to 20 million automobiles in the world. So you can amortize that engineering costs Right, or a lot bigger market. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, a, that's a big part of <clears throat> all of it. So anyway, my job is to talk to our engineers and stuff that work on all this other stuff, and then talk to farmers and see what can we take from these pieces here and move to agriculture. And then try to communicate it back in terms that they understand. Sounds fun. So where's your company based out of? Is oh, it a U.S. company? Yeah. Or, uh, uh, so we're based out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Okay. Um, I'm from Iowa. I uh, grew up by Iowa City. Live, I went to Iowa State and live uh, by Boone now. Um, we are publicly owned because we're, we're a company underneath Hexagon, which is a Swedish uh, company. And we're 300... I just looked. I can't remember the billion or million euro company. Uh, it's a technology positioning company. They're really into measurements. So, and I'm, we're part of the positioning intelligence team. So antennas, we do a lot of military stuff, um, anti-jam, anti-spoofing, anti anti-jam 
uh, from the military and uh, whole world of things. So you're talking about cost a little bit before. Um, like one of our sensors, just just the inertial piece of it, is fifty five thousand, and then you take the receiver, uh, like the receiver that you have. Agriculture world is two thousand um, dollars. Non agriculture world, that's sixty five hundred bucks for the entry level. And then when you start going RTK, then you add in the inertials, the the cost from different divisions, say it's oil and gas, it, it's crazy different. So the signal that you that like would be similar to RTX, um, in oil and gas for offshore, something like that would be like six thousand dollars a month, or is it eight hundred dollars a year for farmers? So. You guys got to do the right business. <laughs> I was just going to say, for once. Mean we can't <laughs> on the flip side, though, you're just trying to make us feel good. Well, on the flip side, though, you know, how much oil are they pumping out yeah. of it yeah. per second? Yeah. <laughs> There's, you know, different things with that. This, like I said, I mentioned the safety of life aspect that goes into all that as well. And, and that's what, as we get to full automotive cars, it's going to be the triple redundancy systems. Um, you know, what happens if the car, say you're going underneath the tunnel and there's an accident in the tunnel and the cars all stop and they sit there for two hours with no GPS signals and the, you know, your IMUs are starting to wander off. And so it's like, and then when everything gets cleared up, how do they get moving again? And then, like you also mentioned, one of you mentioned something about how does it know? Um, and that's another challenge, or that was about the speed. When will we have this? And one of the challenges is today, semi comes to the top of a hill and there's a kid standing by the school by the school bus stop in the driveway a minivan on this side of the road full of kids and a school bus full of kids semi is going to hit somebody who does it hit today whatever happens happens is a terrible accident as soon as somebody programs that machine to do something now it hit that person because it was told to hit that person so who's liable so until that gets that's the yeah. that's Somebody's the limiting factor because the sensors are there, the centrifuge's there, yeah. um, the technology to do it's all there. It's the white paper, and courtroom interpretation that's not there. Get that precedent set. It's a. Uh, Well, thank you to each of the strip tillers for sharing their perspectives and pathways for precision technology adoption. And again, we'd like to recognize and thank Novatel for supporting this Strip-Till Farmer podcast. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessetermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2441. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And you can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free strip-till strategies e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our strip-till farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on October 6th for the next episode in our 2017 podcast series. And stay tuned this fall for the first print edition of our Strip-Till Farmer newsletter. For each of the farmers who joined us at the roundtable discussion, 
Novatel, and our entire staff here at Strip Till Farmer. I'm Jack Samlicka. Thanks for listening.